cancer has touched my life in a lot of ways. One of my best friends actually was sick at the same time and passed away a couple months before my mom did. Lots of times they were in the hospital together. I was like shuttling from room to room. My friend actually passed away while my mom was in the hospital in the same hospital. So I've unfortunately had a lot of experiences with cancer, but the person that was most pivotal to this was was my mom and seeing her her struggle through lung cancer and dealing with all of that just just gave me a lot of motivation to do this. From Haymakers for Hope, this is not every fight ends at the bell. Haymakers for Hope exists to knock out cancer the only way we know how. Fighting for a cure through charity boxing. Thanks to generous supporters and more than 1,000 ass-kicking do-gooders, Haymakers has raised over $22 million for cancer research, care, awareness, and survivorship. But the march towards a cure continues long after the last bell of each event. I'm Julie Kelly. I'm Todd Buster Paris. We know firsthand because we are not just your hosts, we are also survivors. On this podcast, we will highlight the stories of fighters, survivors, organizations, and supporters. Not every fight ends at the bell. Round one. On this episode, we speak with Adam Glenn. Adam fought in our 2017 Hope NYC event at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. Training on a Mendez boxing, he raised over $22,000. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. How did you learn about Haymakers? So I actually learned about Haymakers um, just through the boxing community. So I'm, I'm very connected to boxing here in New York. And I had learned about sort of this event that had gone, uh, that was going on, that gave people a chance to have a fight. And, you know, for me, I've always been in boxing. I grew up in it. My dad was a trainer and manager and cut man, but he never wanted me to be a fighter. And, you know, there, I just kind of reached a point where I was like, I'd like to have a fight, but I'm not going to train for the gloves. I'm not going to do that. And I wanted to have the opportunity to have a fight. And, uh, you know, hitmakers seemed like the right kind of opportunity for me. Adam, had you done any boxing? Prior to him, because I know, you know, that you grew up around boxing and in boxing. Did you do any of the training beforehand? Yeah, so I, I trained when I was a kid. Like my dad had a gym and I used to be in the gym and I'd bang around. But he would always, he'd always sort of like cut me short and be like, eh, and be like you're not going to be a fighter. I don't want you to be a fighter. I want you to do other stuff. So I, I, I trained for like a few years when I was a kid and then a few years when I was a teenager and then... You know, I would always be hitting the bag and in the gym, but I never, uh, you know, I never was fighting. I didn't have any amateur fights before that. So it's, you know, around boxing, but not, uh, not necessarily fight. So for your boxing training, where is it that you did your training for your Haymakers match? So I trained at Mendez. Um, which unfortunately isn't around anymore, but uh, I trained at Mendez. Uh, I managed fighters. So a bunch of my fighters were training there. And actually, it was a really cool experience for me because I was able to train with a trainer that I knew since I was a little kid. You know, my dad actually taught him how to train people in his gym, and he trained me for Haymakers. So it, it felt like I was kind of coming full circle with boxing. 
I always hear fantastic things about Mendez Boxing. What were some of your, or if you have any favorite memories of training there or any favorite drills that you were doing there? I mean, you know, Mendez had this great community, which still extends now, like even though the gym's not open anymore, when any of the mm. fighters that came out of Mendez fight, like the whole community comes out. And it just had a really, you know, fun, familial vibe in there that, that felt really good. I mean, for me, the best part, and I think for my fighters that I managed was like the idea that I was training with them, that I was sparring with them. Uh, you know, some of them, like uh, I had a kid at Orville Crooks, who was a novice then and won the gloves, and he's gone on to be like this really good amateur, and he just turned pro, and he'll still talk about like sparring with me back then. Uh, you know, the other day he was joking. He's like, you know, the first time we sparred, like it, you kind of got me, and I was like, that's not true at all. But it was like, uh, it, it's just like a, a funny connection to to have that experience with your with your fighters. So I think that was the best part, like really just being close to them and training. I've always been a really like physical person. So uh, I feel like being able to do all that and uh, actually have some stuff that I could like beat them in, not, not the boxing part, but like the strength and conditioning parts and things like that was, uh, you know, it was, it was fun for me. How special was it on fight night to have your dad in your corner? I mean, that was, for me, that was a huge part of the experience. You know, boxing's always connected me and my dad in a lot of ways. And it's funny because when I told him that I was going to do Haymakers, he was like, why, why are you doing this? Like, uh, you know, I've always kept you out of boxing, like you don't need a fight. And I just told him it was an experience that I wanted to have. And it was a big deal for me to have him in my corner. He didn't train me for the fight, but I feel like he's always been the boxing voice in my head. And, you know, I was worried because he had had a stroke a few years before. And that's kind of what retired him from working corners because he couldn't get up the st up and down the stairs really safely. So I had a bunch of people around that I told, I was like, keep an eye on him, make sure he's okay. If he can't get up the stairs, that's all right. But, you know, first round, I get back to the corner and he's there, you know, pat me on the back and talk to me and he's flying up and down those stairs. So it was just, it was a really special thing for us to be able to be together in that, in that moment, and, you know, hear his, hear his voice. Uh, I had planned it that way. I got him licensed because he doesn't know how to use a computer. So I had to get him his amateur license and all that. But it it just, you know, it made the experience feel complete. For the people that, that don't know, Adam's dad is the legendary Jimmy Glenn. As he had mentioned before, his role in boxing for many, many years, decades and decades. And Adam now runs the also legendary Jimmy's Corner Bar on 44th Street near Times Square. And, you know, I was lucky I could even drag my dad to the gym once in a while. He watched me spar and train a few times. And, uh, you know, it's even at that point, he was 87. But like even at, you know, 87, like he'd see me doing something, give me like a little tip or a little adjustment. And it just like, you know, it worked so perfectly. Like he, he's so, he was so spot on and like 
how he understood boxing and every eh, everything like that. Even for me as a manager, you know, me and my dad used to watch boxing together and look at opponents. And when it took me two or three rounds to see, it took him like, you know, a minute. He'd be like, oh, you need to do this or he needs to do that. So it was, it was just, uh, I felt like I definitely had a little advantage having 70 years of experience in my, <laughs> in my corner. Uh, but it was, it was really cool for me to be there with my dad. You know, Adam, I, I wanted to talk to you a little more in-depthly about your match. But what, I, what I'm really curious about here is what's the best advice that your dad had given you in regards to boxing? In regards to actually boxing, I mean, the one yeah. thing that, you know, my dad taught me since I was a little kid and, you know, always so it's like everything works, uh, works off the jab. And, you okay. know, when I was a little kid, that's what he would make me do endlessly. And it ended up being the, the best tool that I had in my actual fight. Um, but, you know, even when I was sparring and little things, like I remember we did the, uh, we did that open sparring that you do about a month or a month and a half before your fight. And I was sitting, breaking down the tape with my dad. And the first thing he say, said, you know, stiffen up your jab. That's it. That's all you got to do. You could win with that. So, you know, I, I mean, I think everyone, once you start boxing, you know, everything builds off the jab, but really working on that, and especially when you're, a novice, it's the one tool that you can sort of master to protect yourself pretty quickly. Two quick things that I, I noticed about your fight was you you would glide in the ring. You didn't step and move. You you just you had this glide about you. And it was really neat to see you glide. Also, you would hide punches behind the jab. You would have your jab and you would all of a sudden whap, whap, and you would just have this hook that would come out of nowhere, hidden behind the jab. It was really neat to see that sort of movement. And I, I really liked your match. Before we move on to our next section, I wanted to ask you, if you could tell someone who's about to embark on this four-month boxing journey, you could tell them one thing, what would you tell them? Uh, I, think I, would, I think I would tell them the same thing I tell a lot of my fighters, too, and kind of my mentality when I came into it, which was, you know, I was, I trained for it in such a way that I believed that no one could outwork me. And, mm. you know, it, it, being in shape, being really in shape, not leaving it uh, till the end gives you the confidence you need to be able to fight the way that you need to fight. So, you know, I know it's hard with work and it's hard to balance everything, but, you uh, you know, especially with, uh, like, none of us are that skilled. We don't have the boxing background, uh, right, to just kind of live off skill and knowledge and things like that. So being in shape is a huge differentiator in this. And, you know, I put I, I put a lot into just making sure that I was in the best shape I, I ever was in my life. Like, even when I was traveling, I found boxing gyms and trainers and people like that to to work with me. So I, I didn't miss a day. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's really just like putting in the work and getting yourself into the best shape you've ever been in. So you have the, the confidence on fight night to, to fight the way you need to. When we come back for round two, Adam describes how his mom is his driving force for knocking out cancer and how his mom and his best friend were fighting cancer at the same time in the same hospital. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, 
Or better yet, to sign up to be one of our ass-kicking do-gooders, visit haymakersforhope.org. Round two. Adam, in terms of the mission to KO cancer, was there someone that you were fighting in honor or in memory of? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, most importantly, I was fighting for my mom. My mom had passed away two years before that from lung cancer. That was a big part of the reason that I wanted to have a fight with Haymakers because I felt really connected to the cause and the mission. And for me, especially, you know, between my life of boxing and my dad and, you know, what happened to my mom, it felt like the right place for me to actually do that. And, you know, I had heard of it before, but I was thinking of doing Haymakers even when my mom was sick. Like I was, you know, sort of a thought in my head. I was taking care of her throughout the entire time she was sick. So not then, but I was like, if she survives or if she does it, like, you know, this is something I would like to do. And then, you know, cancer has touched my life in a lot of ways. So one of my best friends actually was sick at the same time and passed away a couple months before my mom did. So one of my best friends from high school. So lots of times they were in the hospital together. I was like shuttling from room to room. See, my friend actually passed away while my mom was in the hospital in the same hospital. So, uh, you know, I've unfortunately had a lot of experiences with cancer, but the person that was most pivotal to this was was my mom and seeing her her struggle through lung cancer and dealing with all of that just just gave me a lot of motivation to do this. I loved how in your fighter profile, what you say about your mother, how she lived lived life on her terms. And even with cancer, she lived life on her terms. And I thought that was really it was just she sounds like a really wonderful woman. And I'm really sorry. Yeah, no, look, my mom was, she was the best. She was my, she was my best friend. She was, you know, this really tough spark plug of a lady from Poland. She was deep down the, you know, the sweetest person in the world, but she, she had like a a tough exterior Mm -hmm. and, you know, she did things the way she wanted to do it. My friends still laugh because we were all in the hospital together because our best friend was in the hospital. And one day, my, a couple of my friends said, hey, can we come down and say hi to your mom? And my mom's downstairs and she has the she has the oxygen and she has all that. And they look in. She's like, hey, boys, how are you doing? And she's talking. And she's like, if you tell anyone that you saw me like this, I'll deny it. Like, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, and no, they looked okay. and they were like, and they were like that's like, they were like, that's a perfect moment with your mom. That's exactly who she, who she was. So, you know, it's, it it was uh, uh, for me, like her, and she was tough in a very different way than my dad, right? My dad was this really big and strong and intimidating guy. My mom was five foot one. But once you got to know the both of them, that you were like, your dad is a teddy bear and she's the scary one. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I learned a lot about like what toughness is and uh, selflessness and things like that from my mom. Well, it sounds like you had to to get in there on fight night and to be fighting, you know, in memory of, of your mom and to carry that in. There's really no wonder that you work so hard leading up to the fight and really just poured your heart and soul into into your training. That's an amazing honor to to, to fight for her. Um, and she sounds like yeah. a really special woman. No, I, you know, I wanted 
uh, I wanted to win for her. I wanted to win for my dad. I wanted to win for me. But, you know, there was when you have something that you're fighting for and people that you're thinking about it, it really gives you a focus and a reason, a reason to do it. That reason to do it. How did that affect your training? I think the truth is the ways that my parents affected my training and my approach to boxing and to life happened long before that, right? Like just watching my parents always work and always work so hard and be the people they are. Like, you know, we don't, we don't go into things sort of to do it halfway. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it all the way. I'm not going to do it at all. And that's how my parents were. And so, you know, I think the one thing that I, when my mom was sick and I was taking care of her and I was dealing with all of that, it taught me a lot about like really being like present and in the moment and invested in something because, you know, that was a situation where I was, I don't think I was ever as invested or cared as much about something and a result and what was going on as I did then. And it, it sort of changed my approach to a lot of things in life. Like I was like, I, I know what it means to be in the room and really be doing to really be focused and working on what I, uh, what I care about. And I try to bring that to all the good things that I care about. So, you know, I, I think in that way for four months, I was thinking boxing all the time, planning out my week. What am I going to do? How am I going to train? What am I not going to eat? I'm not going to go out and party. You know, uh, it's, uh, uh, did all the, all the things that I would like try to tell one of my fighters to do. I just, I really, I really did them myself. You walk the walk. And, you know, it was, it was with my fighters also. It made it funny because I, I told them, I was like, if I can do this, you could do this. This isn't my career. Like, I'm mm -hmm. still going to the bar. <laughs> I'm still doing all this stuff that I have to do. So if I can skip the, skip the sweets and, you know, not spend time with my girlfriend and all that kind of stuff, like, you guys can, you guys can do it too. In our final round... Adam describes more of the impact boxing has had in his life and more specifically fighting in a Haymakers for Hope event. We end with a quick conversation on luck and how he hit the parent jackpot. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. Did you know there's more to Haymakers than just boxing? We also have opportunities for you to lace up your sneakers and run a marathon with Team Haymakers or grab your clubs and play in one of our golf tournaments. Visit haymakersforhope.org for more. Round three. We're going to talk about after the bell, your experiences from Haymakers after Haymakers. How has Haymakers affected your life afterward? Well, I think for me, one, just the experience of doing it, it got me back to boxing for myself and training and you know, I, I kept training for years, kept working out with my guys. I really only stopped in the last year because I tore my ACL. And, uh, you know, so like an injury has like sidelined me a little bit where I can't box the way I'd like to. But, you know, once I tapped back into it and got back into like the love of actually boxing myself, and it's just been, you know, a huge part of my life. It, it connects me to fighters more, connects me to the to the gym. I think for me and my dad, it was just, you know, it was an experience that we would talk about. We shared and we really appreciated having together. And then, 
you know, I've encouraged a lot of people to do it because I think for a lot of people, it's really a life-changing experience. And you see people who they get that passion, they get that love because boxing is something like once it gets in your system, it doesn't go away. Um, yeah. and you kind of have to, you kind of have to let yourself get past that first month. Cause the first month sucks for everyone. Gyms are, you know, I grew up in a gym, but I know for new people, a gym is an intimidating place. Like you, you sort of walk in, you see the fighters, you see all of that. And I think in the boxing world, because there are so many people that come and go, it's sort of for the first week or two, people don't even get to know you. Cause they're like. I don't know if you're going to come back, but if you keep showing okay. up, then it's like the most welcoming, fun, like loving environment in the world. They're like, okay, you made it past the first few weeks. All right. Hey champ, good to see you. And you kind of get welcomed into that community. And so it's, you know, for me, it's a huge part of my, my life is boxing. My friends are in boxing. It was, it was just, uh, it was a wonderful experience and I, uh, I would, if I could train the right way, I would happily do it again. Uh, you know, my, my life has gotten so busy that I don't know if I could train the right way um, to do it again at that level. But I would, I would love to, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was something that, and it really like sharpened all the other parts of my life too. Cause I was so focused in that it, it's hard not to be like focused in all the other parts of your life too. Boxing gyms can be intimidating and, I know my first time walking into a boxing gym, it was, I was terrified. I heard the sounds of jump ropes as I was walking up the stairs. And I remember it was at that moment I fell in love. It was just a whap, whap, whap. And I'm like, it, there's something about it. And then I round the corner and you just see there was a weave line. A boxer was like just doing work and it was just, they were working. And they were really welcoming. And I think for our listeners, if you're at all interested in checking out a boxing gym, check out a boxing gym. It's, it's scary only in theory. They're really welcoming and really wonderful places. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone is, everyone is there to get better and to do, to do their work. And, you know, I think one thing I've learned about fighters a long time ago is they're actually like, they're very down to earth. They're very mellow. They're very chill. Largely because like, if you're a professional fighter, you're an amateur fighter, you don't have a lot to prove. You don't have to prove to people you're tough. You don't have to do that. Mm. So they're, they're sort of very like easygoing for the most part, right? Every uh, people are different, but for the most part, and you know, they'll work with you. They want to see, see people get better. So I'd have trailers and fighters and other people oh, I saw you do this or I saw you do that. And really just to be helpful, like to, to try and help. And, and the nice thing about Mendez was like, we were all rooting for each other. Like all the fighters that were coming out of Mendez, like everyone's rooting for each other. We sparred with each other, uh, you know, on that night. I, I don't think we had almost any like Mendez versus Mendez fights. Like it was all, all other gyms. So everyone was really out there supporting each other. And that's, that's a great part of it. Like you feel like a team. Mm. And Adam, why should someone sign up to participate? For people who love boxing, it's a way to get sort of more in touch with it. And people who've never done it, you know, I tell people you learn a whole lot about yourself the first time you get punched in the face. And you realize very quickly, like this is for me or it isn't for me. But I, I think 
just the lessons of boxing, not just getting hit, but how you react to things, how you deal with sort of physical adversity also influences how you deal with like real life adversity and being able to tough it out, being able to do that. And especially in something that's, it's an individual thing, right? Boxing, you have a team behind you and you have your trainers, but when you're in the ring, you're by yourself. You can't, you can't hide. You can't sort of like another sport, it's not my day. If it's not your day, well, you're going to take that beating anyway. And so, you know, boxing just teaches you a lot about yourself. And I've always told people, I think, I think, you know, kids should box and young people should box, but I think it's just an experience that people should have. And to be able to do it in a way where you are raising money to support such a great cause and to help people, like it just, it ties it in a way that makes it, I think, even more meaningful for a lot of, uh, for a lot of people. And unfortunately, like cancer is a, is a thing that has touched almost everyone's life. Like, you know, every, everyone I know has had someone in their family who has had cancer. So I, I just think, you know, when you put all of that together, to be able to do something that I think is so good and beneficial for yourself personally, that also can help so many people is just uh, like an amazing opportunity. Adam, we really, really appreciate your time. It was really great meeting you and talking to you. For those of you in New York or those of you going to New York, you can probably find Adam over at Jimmy's Corner. What's the address of Jimmy's Corner? It's, uh, we're right in the heart of Times Square, 140 West 44th Street. Uh, you know, the, it, one of the last remaining like dive bars in New York, but especially in that part of New York. And if you, if you like boxing, it's, it's the best bar in New York. It's, it's basically a boxing museum. Every so. inch of the wall is just covered with boxing memorabilia and you it's it's got a real family vibe in there everybody just hangs out it's a really great spot it's one of my go-tos every time i'm in new york city so also the cheapest drink you're gonna find around Times square only only place you can still get a three dollar beer really really glad that i got this opportunity to talk with you so thank you i appreciate it thanks for i appreciate that i uh, you know i i all the time i tell people you know i don't believe in luck I believe most things are work, but like who your parents are is very much luck. And I, I hit the jackpot when it came to parents. Like I got very lucky. And so I just, uh, I try to be as good a person as they were. Um, that, you know, hopefully, I, I hopefully I'm making it. You definitely made everybody proud. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I say if you're, if you're lucky enough to have great parents and I was, then you sort of should have no choice but to try and be a great kid. And, mm. uh, you know, and I, I'm very, I'm very lucky. Speaking of luck, one night after New York City orientation, we walked in, our team walked into Jimmy's Corner and Adam was, Adam was, was behind the bar and we all had some Haymakers gear on and a conversation started and, Adam approached us and he had applied before and we did, we didn't have a match for him. And it's as memory serves me right, or Adam, do you want to take over and how the, how the conversation kind of took a turn? So, well, yeah, it was funny because I, I saw you guys come in and you had the Haymakers gear and I had actually applied that year and I had applied the year before 
and I hadn't been accepted. Like you guys didn't have a match for me either year. So I started talking to you guys and you're like, oh, we, we run haymakers. We just did our orientation. And I feel like I jokingly was, I was like, why do you guys never take me? Like <laughs> I've, I've tried to do it a few years in a row. And you're like, we actually had someone drop out like today, right before orientation or at orientation, would you fight? You know, I was like a hundred percent. I, I applied for a reason. I want (laughs) to, I want to do it. So I kind of got in at the last, last minute, but just by coincidence that you guys were in, were in my bar and I managed to, uh, to sneak into the 2017 Haymakers. Yeah, it was definite kismet. I remember asking you point blank saying, what's your age? weight and height. And I wrote yeah. it down. And then I think I, I got your phone number. I was like, all right, well, we're going to check against it. And then I'll shoot you a text. And so yeah, it, it worked out. And a lot of the realities of like my life, like, you know, my mom being like a, a white Polish Jewish woman, my dad being a black man, like that wouldn't have happened somewhere outside of New York and probably not somewhere outside of Times Square. Right. And, you know, just that crossroads and it working and then being accepted and me being the person that I am growing up in that environment, like, I I don't think I'd be this person. I, I might not even exist as this version of Adam if, if not for that. The fact that my parents met in that bar makes it even more special to me. But a lot of the great things in my life and a lot of the experiences and the skills and the knowledge that I have all come from there. So... Uh, you know, I think it makes sense, especially to have one of my best boxing experiences start out of the bar. Just it feels it feels right. It feels like it it, it sort of made sense that it would have to happen that way. And it was much better than just getting an email that is saying you're in. Like it, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, it a, that's a much better way. <laughs> I agree. It's Everyone a much gets, better yeah, story. It's a much better story. I really, I really appreciate you guys bringing me in for this. And, you know, I've always appreciated the experience. You have an evangelist in me. I've been telling people about how great I think the Haymakers experience is for, for a long time. And I, I really appreciate that I get to stream your shows now. Like that's been, uh, it's, it's sort of been an awesome way to stay in touch with what you guys are doing. Yeah. That's special for us as well to, to continue. Um, because alumni are, are, you know, you guys are family and sometimes alumni are done on fight night and we don't necessarily hear from them again. So to be to be able to continue a relationship post post event is is really special. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We're grateful for your support. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast and tell a friend. To donate, sponsor, attend an event or better yet, sign up to fight to KO cancer, visit haymakersforhope.org. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented and produced by Haymakers for Hope in partnership with StudioPod Media. Our producers are former fighters Jordan McMillan and Julian Lewis. I'm Julie Kelly. And I'm Todd Buster Paris. You've been listening to Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell. 